0: Tonight, we're going to be praying for the Billingsley family that are in Michigan that are doing a number of things. We learned about those, I believe, last fall, or I learned about them last fall. They are teaching English to recent immigrants to the United States, but they're also teaching Arabic to missionaries preparing to go uh, and serve overseas, and so both of those are really neat ministries. Um, We haven't received a recent update except for his recovery from COVID over the winter, but the Jacob family... In Pakistan, they'd sent us an update, and I even saw some in the news today about this. One of the challenges that they're dealing with is that Karachi, where their church is located and where they live, has been dealing with a lot of rain that the city is not used to. And so they've been dealing with a lot of flooding. They sent us this Earlier in the month, this update. But I heard this week or today that this weekend the flooding was so bad that they have a hundred people that have died, and like recently a thousand people have died in the flooding there in Pakistan. It's, it's affected 33 million people there. So they uh, they'd mentioned that. Their building basically just wasn't built to deal with the rain and so they're having uh the roof isn't able to get to uh get all of get rid of all of the rain and so they're having wiring issues and all sorts of things issues and part of part of the reason that that's important is that the church meets in their home so the basically their daily life is disrupted but also the life there uh, of the church that meets in their home so that's one of the challenges. And then they've dealt with just ongoing family uh, medical emergencies. And I, I think a couple of their daughters are dealing with heart issues. Um, and the kids were talking about this at the table tonight. I would forgotten that uh, somebody was dealing with dengue fever in the family. So they've been dealing with a number of health issues. And so we can pray for the Jacob family that just seems like the, the number of challenges they're dealing with right now. just seems to be piling up. So let's pray for the Billingsleys and for the Jacobs. God, we rejoice that even in Michigan, you are using the Billingsleys to reach people around the world. There are Muslim countries that are hard to reach into, and yet you bring people from those Muslim countries to Michigan. And they get the chance to uh, learn English, hear the gospel, and have relationships with Christians through the Billingsleys. And so we thank you that you can that you can even use the movement of people for that reason. We thank you for their strategic ministry to prepare missionaries to go overseas and into countries where they need to know Arabic. And we pray, Lord, that you would prosper that ministry. We we pray uh, for people to hear the gospel and be saved. We pray for missionaries to be well prepared for the ministry that they're going to do. We pray for strength for both of them. We pray for the Jacob family. We have heard of some of the challenges. And we pray, Lord, that you would use these challenges to bring yourself glory and to give them the chance to share the hope of the gospel with their friends and their neighbors. With the people around them in Pakistan, God, we we have been learning how how our our hope in suffering gives us the chance to share the gospel with other people, and so we pray that in the middle of this rain, Lord, you would preserve life, you would allow, you would that you would uh, protect the Jacob family, but that you would also use their witness, use the peace that you give them as a chance for them to share the gospel there in Pakistan. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Go ahead and turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. Tonight we're going to be looking at verses 17 and 18. This section that we've been walking through over the last several weeks is where Peter is specific speaking to all believers, not, to just, not just to slaves, not to just to women, not just to husbands, but to everybody. And he's saying that part of the Christian life means to return to. Uh, to give blessing to those that do evil to us and then at the end or at the beginning of 16 he says that in your behavior in your response keep a clear conscience so that's the context for verses 17 and 18 that we're looking at tonight this section where he says while you are suffering keep a clear conscience and so verse then we're going to pick up with seven, verse 17 first peter chapter 3 verse 17 for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good, then for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the Spirit. What I want to show you tonight is this passage gives us three reasons in our suffering to trust God and do good. This this the, the His overarching theme has been to return blessing for evil. But because of our faith in God. But specifically here tonight, he gives us three reasons for us to trust God and do good when we're suffering. The first one he says there in verse 17 is, because it's God's will. Verse 17, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. He says that he's calling them to say, we know that if we do evil, that it is just for us to suffer. But, and so when we and then when we suffer, we can easily go well. Let, if someone's doing evil to us, that's specifically the suffering he's speaking of here. He's not just speaking generally of suffering, although there are applications to it. But he's speaking specifically of when somebody slanders you and says something that's not true about you. He's speaking specifically and saying, when somebody treats you badly and lies about you, how are you going to respond? We've talked in previous weeks that, for me, it, those moments when something's just not true or is one of the harder, the harder places to live out that principle of returning blessing for evil. But here he's saying specifically when you are suffering and somebody is treating you badly, he says if it's God's will, it's better to suffer doing good than than to than to suffer because you've deserved it. What he's ultimately getting at here is that when we our suffering, we are ultimately dealing with a vertical issue, not simply a horizontal issue. When, when we are dealing, when we are suffering and somebody else is slandering us, and I mean, I think we can just be honest, even in the church, even in the church, people can say things about each other. They can hurt one another. They can say things that are not true. They can, they can take and, and interpret our motives and our behavior in ways that we didn't intend. We, we know, we've been around the church long enough. We know that it happens. Here he says, when that happens, what we're ultimately dealing with is not simply an issue here. We're ultimately dealing with an issue this way. When that happens, we are ultimately dealing with uh, an issue with God. And he says, and so when that happens, can you trust God, trust that if it is his will, that it is better for that to happen. And so you can trust him If this is what you intended, then it's better for me to walk through this than to not walk through this. It's better because this is what you intended is for me to respond to him or her with grace and with generosity and with sacrifice. Not fighting to get my own way. Not fighting to prove that I'm right. What what Peter is telling us is that if we are... If when we are suffering, if we know that it is God's will, then we can trust Him and then do good. I'm reminded of um, my first car when I, I went off to college, and I noticed on my I actually, uh, I guess my second year of college, I was living in my aunt's basement, and she had new concrete laid in the driveway. So you know it's like really like white and really pretty? And then there were some oil spots where I parked ruining this perfect new concrete so I got to get this fixed like what's the issue you know so then I start parking in the grass to make sure that the concrete looks okay you know do what we can but from now on I got to park in the grass until we get this issue fixed and I go to the the auto mechanic and he's like I can't see anything that's wrong so what we're going to do is we're going to add an additive to your oil and then you drive it around for a few days and then bring it back and we'll take a black light and we'll see what's the problem and I, like, because there, there was nothing specifically that we could see that this is the issue. We could just see the proof on the ground. And so the mechanic is going, let's use a black light, and let's use something that we're going to add, uh, some dye that we're going to add to your oil so we can try and get to the actual issue. What Peter is telling us here is that the black light of, of God's Word tells us that when we are suffering, we are, the actual issue that we are dealing with is an issue with do we love and trust God and say, if this is your will, it's better for me to go through this. The, 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 the black light of Scripture looks at our lives and says when somebody slanders you and you're walking through the, down a the road where somebody is saying evil about you, the actual issue is not an issue with you and them. It's actually an issue of do you trust God and trust that his will and his goodness are for you. So the ultimate issue that Peter tells us is, gives us this question, can I trust God's wisdom and God's goodness? When When we walk through suffering, we must ask ourselves, can I trust God's wisdom and his goodness? The second reason to trust God and do good in suffering we see in this passage, the beginning of verse 18, says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. This second reason that we can trust God and do good in suffering is because of Jesus' suffering. Notice that He he, he's made this a vertical issue, this if it is God's will. Okay, so now we're dealing with God's will. And this is then he says that Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Notice he's saying, you were the unjust. When you're dealing with suffering and somebody's doing evil to you and you're going through this and you say, God, how can you let them off? Peter says, look in the mirror. He says, look in the mirror because Jesus suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, because you were the unrighteous. Because you were the other person. The gospel is teaches us that we, we, when we go through suffering, we are always following in his footsteps and we're not just told, well, can you just try to be like Jesus and try to mimic him a little bit? It's instead, you know what? Look in the gospel and see that when you were God's enemy, he died for you. Remember that when you were God's enemy, he died for you. He didn't wait until you got your act together and he didn't wait until you apologized correctly. And so Peter says, because of that, you can trust him and do good. You can trust him and do good. This, this reminder that here, verse 18, is not just simply like, oh, theoretically. Is he's like, you were that unjust person. And so don't ever put yourself in a situation where you're like, can you believe he would do that? Peter says, you were that man. It's, it's, like, it's like the story that we know when... when um, Nathan goes to David and he tells the story of the rich man who stole his neighbor's lamb, pet lamb, so he could feed a guest. And David says, that man should die. And Nathan says, you were that man. Peter says, when you are suffering evil and you get so upset, you were that person. And Christ died for you. And so you can trust him and do good in suffering. Because he's not calling you to do something that's not, that's not something he's done already. He's, and he, Not only that he's done it already, but he's done it for you. He's done this for you already. And I think that, that the, like the overarching thing that, da, that, that Peter's trying to get across is, how could you not trust somebody who loves you this much? but for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That, that He's pointing them to the love of God, the sacrificial, demonstrating love of God that goes and it rescues. I, I've told this story recently, but I think of it regularly. I've shared it in hospital rooms recently, that uh, the that Martin Lloyd-Jones late in his life was visiting a pastor and his wife who had really been suffering. They'd been through a lot of suffering. They'd been struggling and they'd been so hard and it was hard to go on. And after spending some time with them on his way out the door, he just turned and he said, remember the love of God. Remember the love of God. I think Peter here is like, when you're going through suffering and you're questioning, how can I do good? How can I do good to the person that's lied about me? How can I do good to the person who's rejected me and turned away from me? How can I do good to the person that's treated me so badly? Peter says, remember the love of God and look at the Jesus that hung on the cross for you. So I think that's one of the great motivations of rehearsing the gospel is so that, I shared this last week, I think this passage calls us to prepare in advance to be slandered. It calls us to prepare in advance to suffer. It calls us to prepare in advance for fighting in the church or outside the church or somewhere and to commit ourselves to trusting God and doing good. And one of the ways that we do that is we join Peter in rehearsing the gospel. We rehearse it regularly so that when the day comes, we are not surprised and we say, God, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them and we put ourselves in your hands because your will is best. You know what you're doing. So the, the, the second reason to trust God and do good in suffering is because of his suffering. And the third reason this passage calls us, because of your relationship with God. Look at, look at the second part of 18. He says, it ultimately leads here to bring you to God. To bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. That whole point, he says, so that you can come to God. So that you can have a relationship with God. So he's saying you should keep a clear conscience, because Jesus has already made a relationship between you and God. It's already there. It's, it, you have a relationship with the God of the universe. This I, I, just, I read these words, and I think of how intimate it is, is that he, not just to forgive you, not to just to give you a second chance. You know, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that you'll learn your lesson and behave better. He says, suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. To bring you all the way home. To make a place where you can belong forever and you have a relationship with God that is present and that's future. And there's nothing in your past that's going to stand in the way. And so he says, so keep a clear conscience when suffering, when there's fighting and when there's division, when there's misunderstanding, when there's just straight up evil being done. He says, you have a relationship with God and they don't get to take it away. It's already yours. They don't get to threaten it. Their lies aren't true. And God's not going to listen to them. You are get to come to be with the God of the universe. So keep a clear conscience and bless when evil is done to you. I'm reminded of the different titles. We, we often think of the titles in the Bible for God. Maybe you know a, a list of the Hebrew names of God. But sometimes I think we need to remind ourselves, and this is what Peter's doing here, is the Bible also has titles for us. And he gives us titles like friend of God, co-heir with Jesus, a son of God, things like a slave or a servant of God, but specifically these ideas of friend of God, an heir of God, a son of God, a member of his family, uh, the, uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit. These are titles that God gives us that reminds us we are not just Joe Radosevich or Joseph Franklin Radosevich, if we're going to be precise. We're not simply the place that we're from, the family that we were born into, but God has titles for us, and it reminds us that we belong to him. And when we suffer and Satan wants to make us think everything, you're about to lose everything, God says, no, your title's secure. Jesus suffered for your sins to bring you to God. Your identity is secure. And so if that's true, then we can trust that God means good for us. If he has done all the work to establish a relationship with us and nothing is going to threaten it or take it away, then when we go through suffering and when a family member turns their back on us, says something that's not true, steals our inheritance. When, 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 a family, or I'm sorry, when a friend tells somebody else something about us that's not true, when a church blows up over in division. We can trust that God means good for us, and so we're going to be a blessing in the middle of that mess. We're not going to require the situation to be fixed before we keep a clear conscience and we pour out love on those that have hurt us. And all of this is because we have a relationship with God that nothing can touch. Not the situation, not the past, not the present, and not the future. All of these things are secure so we can trust God and do good in the middle of the worst situation. This passage gives us these three reasons to trust God and do good in suffering. Because it is his will, because of his own suffering, and because we have a relationship with him that nothing can touch. And so I think the, the part of the point of 1 Peter written to these believers in Turkey who are either suffering or will shortly be suffering is to get them ready to say, you know what, it is coming. The darkness is coming, but we will be ready to be a blessing in the middle of it. Because it is God's will that we do it and we trust that that's good. Because he suffered once for our sins when we were the darkness that was coming for him and because he has given us a relationship with him forever that nobody can touch so we are secure no evil can touch that no slander can come in the way no way he's going to make him listen and so then that we can say okay god we trust you enough to be blessings and keep a clear conscience no matter what comes let's pray god we thank you that your word gives us everything we need for life and godliness. In my flesh, I don't think any suffering is a good idea. But I trust that if it's your will, it's better to suffer that way than for doing evil. And so I want to trust you. Uh, I pray that we would trust you and that we would walk in your ways and that as we live out the gospel in the, the hard times of our lives, We get the chance to give the reason for the hope that is in us. In Jesus' name, amen.